You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Growing wealth while supporting your family, it isn't easy, but with a well-crafted plan, you can take on anything. Visit planefe.com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with an advisor today. Juggling finances can be overwhelming, but you can find a better balance. Hey everyone, I'm Jean Chatsky. Thanks so much for joining us today on Her Money. Today we are going to be talking about one of our favorites, certainly one of my favorite topics. We're going to talk about puppies. Actually, we're going to be talking about all of the furry friends that bring our lives so much joy every single day and how to best care for them because Although their snuggles may be completely free, there is a cost to giving your favorite animal the very best care possible throughout their lives. In the first year of life, you can expect to spend about $1,675 to care for a dog and a little over $1,100 for a cat. That's according to the ASPCA, and that's just an estimate. These costs can vary and they can vary a lot depending on the size and the health of your animal and the area of the country that you live in. But what is true for everyone is that you have to make sure there is room in your budget for preventive care. And in my opinion, for pet insurance, because surprises do happen. So what are the best ways to avoid some of the financial stress that can come along with having a pet? I have a few thoughts of my own on the topic as Norman, my one and a half year old cockapoo now, is a very expensive little friend. But I wanted to let Rob Jackson weigh in and answer some of your pet questions. Rob is the founder and chief pet protector at Healthy Paws, a pet insurance company that today has more than 100 employees and 550,000 pet parents on board. In addition to building his business, Rob also created the Healthy Paws Foundation, which has given more than $2 million to hundreds of pet rescues and shelters over the last 10 years. You can learn more about their work and receive an instant and free pet insurance quote by going to Healthy HealthyPawsPetInsurance.com slash hermoney. Rob joins us today from his home in Woodenville, Washington, which he shares with his rescue pup, Winston, a two-year-old beagle mix. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Jean. It's my pleasure. And I think really there is no one better to tackle pet expense questions with us than you because you've seen so much. When you think about the big pet expenses that people face over the lifetime of their pet, what comes to mind for you? Well, you have your normal expenses, right, of being a pet parent, your, your, you know, the, the food, the toys, all the things that you know you can expect. You've got your normal annual preventative checkups that you're going to But the thing that can really sock you in the pocketbook is the unexpected. And these days, there's hardly a thing you can't do for your four-legged family members that you do for your two-legged family members. And the advances of veterinary medicine are amazing. 
with that, though, comes cost. And, you know, you could have Norman out there at the dog park with the chuck it and throw in that ball there. And then all of a sudden he turns on the wrong way and he blows out his ACL just like an athlete would. Well, the cost of that is like 4500 to $5,000. And those are the types of things that when you're in the vet's office and they're talking about, well, we can put together a great treatment plan. We've got a surgery that can take care of this, but it's going to cost 4500 That can be a shocker to some people. So, you know, you're talking about things, the unexpected, anywhere from a bee sting all the way up to cancer treatment that, thank goodness, the advances of veterinary medicine are such that we can treat our four-legged family members, but... It comes at a cost, and I don't think that pet parents, when they're bringing home that little furball, really anticipate that, ooh, this could get to be expensive. And as a pet parent, that's a family member, and you want to make sure you always have access to the best possible care. I think that you're right, and I think that one key for pet parents is knowing yourself as a pet parent and knowing the lengths to which you are likely to go to take care of this furry little creature as you become more and more attached to them. They are members of our family, and I think we don't really think about the fact that we're going to do whatever it takes in many cases to make sure that they can recover and live as much of a normal life as absolutely possible. And that's where people fall down. Jean, you're so right. For so long, people had pets in their home and they were pet owners. You know, the pet was almost considered property. And if something happened to the pet, well, you just get a new one. But lately, the four-legged family member has become such a central piece of the family We talk about, you know, how do you know if you're a pet parent? Well, first of all, where does the pet sleep? Absolutely. If it sleeps in the bedroom, then you're close. If it's up in bed and if it's spooning you, you're a pet parent and you probably need to look at getting, make sure that you have pet health insurance to cover those unexpected charges. Yeah. Norman tends to sleep on my head on my pillow. And I don't know what that says about me. We want to take some questions from our Her Money community that were submitted to our private Her Money Facebook group just for you. So you up for that? Sure. Absolutely. All right. This is from Teresa. She'd like to know, how do you know if a pet will work well with your lifestyle and your future lifestyle? Example, what if you're planning to have children or what if your job evolves to mean you're away from home more often? Is there a way to know how adaptable an animal might be before you adopt? It's a good question. And, you know, if you could wave your magic wand and know exactly what's inside that pet's head and what the future is going to be, uh, that would be great. But you don't always do that. As you stated up front, we're very, very much advocates of adoption. I mean, every year there are, you know, 8 million pets that go into shelters and unfortunately only half of them, you know, come out. And so it's been interesting in the past several years, we've actually found that adopting a pet has almost been the green movement of acquiring pets because people now are looking at not only bringing a a pet into their life, but saving a life on it. And people are quite proud of that. And I say that just from the standpoint that one of the advantages of adopting a pet is there are almost 14,000 rescue groups out there, and many of them are foster. And 
you actually have an advantage when a pet is being fostered in a home because they're being socialized, but also that foster parent can really give you an idea of exactly what that pet's all about. They're, I mean, Winston, for instance, we were so fortunate to have him, and he was, and it was important that you know he was good with people, he was good with other dogs, he's very good with children because we have grandchildren. We didn't want to be worrying about that. Gosh, he was actually in a foster home with four young kids. So you're you're getting <laughs> some things that can be predictive from that. So I guess there's no perfect way of doing it, but I I would put a different slant on it. And just say, if you are thinking about bringing a pet home, don't be in a hurry. Be patient. Especially if you're looking at that, there are always going to be ones where, oh, geez, we didn't qualify for this or that. Don't worry. The right pet is right around the corner on that. And I would say that if you can, you know, there are lots of great pets out there that have a very proven track record that the foster parent can let you know. And oh, by the way, Gene, here's another beauty. If you do adopt a pet that has been fostered, you have a built-in dog sitter because that foster parent, I foster pets and it's very hard to give them away. And the best thing you can do is find a way to stay in contact with that pet. So that's another place. So, you know, that may not address all of the parts of Teresa's question on that, but it's a little different angle. And, you know, I think it's a way where you can get a little bit more information maybe to make that decision. Yeah, that's such a good point. My son adopted a dog out in California, Carl, who had previously been fostered. And Carl's foster family has always been willing to take care of him when my son goes away. So saves a little bit of money there on pet babysitters. Sandra writes, for anyone interested in purchasing a purebred, like a French bulldog or a designer mutt, like a doodle from a breeder, do you have savings set aside to cover treatment for genetic illnesses like cancer or genetic defects like respiratory surgery or arthritic hips that are common with purebred animals? I guess she's asking if you should have kind of a pet slush fund. Yeah, it's. I think it's very important, especially if you are looking at purebreds. There are some genetic issues there that can result in some medical issues. I I think that's one of the reasons why if you are bringing home a purebred dog that you want to probably look at getting pet health insurance while that pet is in the starting gate of life. (laughs) Because when you do that, you're at least reducing the impact of pre-existing conditions. I would say that putting together a savings fund to handle that, I'm not sure you ever know if you have enough. Because you could have something happen in its first year just as easily as in its third or fourth year, and you never really know. So I think it's good to to have a little bit of a fund, but I, I would say take that, instead of taking that fund, spend 45 or $50 a month and get accident and illness insurance, but make sure you do it right away so you reduce the impact of pre-existing conditions. Well, on that note, Allison writes... For folks interested in a purebred, if they're not married to the idea of getting a puppy, some breeders will sell their dams and sires when they retire. And one of my coworkers adopted two mom dogs from the same breeder where we got our puppy, and they're wonderful, sweet dogs. Their being a little older also usually means any genetic illnesses and temperament are known by that point. 
can you get pet insurance for an older dog? And if you buy an older dog from a breeder once it's retired and the previous owners had pet insurance, can they transfer that policy to you? Okay, two-part question. Yes, if there was pet insurance previous with the other owner, it can be transferred to you. Most pet insurance companies will do that. The other part is you could purchase pet health insurance on an older pet. What's going to happen is most of the conditions that are present with that pet are going to be in the medical records. And so what's going to happen is when you purchase pet insurance at the time of purchase, the medical records will serve as the baseline for any pre-existing conditions. So anything that's already gone on is not going to be covered, but anything that is there you know, going forward will be covered subject to the terms and conditions of the policy. So it is still possible to do that. Unlike the scenario that we talked about before, your best value for pet health insurance is getting it while the pet is in the starting gate of life because you will have the most coverage. You will have eliminated any of the impact of pre-existing conditions on there. But older pets can. The many pet insurance companies will offer insurance. But again, it may be a fairly limited amount of coverage if, in fact, there have been quite a few things that have gone on. Those will not be covered going forward. We've got a couple of additional questions. I want to dig into them, Rob. But before we do that, when we're talking about things like caring for pets, raising kids, taking care of your aging parents, planning for retirement, it's a lot to manage in this life of ours, especially when you're trying to grow your wealth at the same time. Visit edelmanfinancialengines.com slash hermoney to schedule a free appointment with an advisor. You will learn strategic ways to help meet your financial obligations all while remaining focused on your own needs and your own dreams. With a well-crafted financial plan, you'll be ready for all of life's competing priorities. Schedule your free appointment today at planefe.com slash hermoney. I am talking with Rob Jackson, founder of Healthy Paws. We're answering your questions. It's actually really interesting. I'm learning a lot about how all of this works. Stephanie says... I am curious as to how to weigh behavioral preferences with cost concerns when getting a pet. For example, if someone does their research and learns that French bulldogs are friendly, sociable dogs that can be great with kids, that might sound like a good fit for the family. But then the family might also learn that many short-faced breeds rack up medical bills at a higher than normal rate, which not only means cash laid out, but time off work to care for the pet. So how do you balance those factors to make sure that you and your pet are happy and well taken care of? Well, you know, Frenchies are hilarious and adorable, and they're extremely popular. I mean, the face and all the things, I think, attract a lot of people on there. But you're quite right. They do have some issues, which is one of the reasons why dogs like Frenchies that have, you know, got sort of the pushed-in nose and that type of they do have issues, and the vet bills can run pretty high down the road on it. Pet health insurance is a very, I think, smart way of at least meeting and mitigating some of that risk on there. For those types of breeds, the pet health insurance, usually the premium is going to be a little bit higher just because, you know, the tendency for those breeds 
are a little bit higher on that. But I think that's about the only way you can look at that is if you're drawn to that type of breed, if, you know, the, the cuteness and all the things that go with that. In fact, my niece just went ahead and she got a Frenchie and she's absolutely in love with them. And I said, make sure you get pet health insurance right away on there because, you know, Reese could cost you quite quite a bit. To date, everything has been fine, but I, I think that's about the only thing that you can look at. Otherwise, as you said at the top of the show, you want to put together a slush fund, I'm not sure that you can put together <laughs> enough and early enough to take care of that. Okay, let's do one more, all right? This is from Kim, and she says, I feel like I'm constantly having to rein in my vet who wants to do tests or procedures that I don't find necessary. And sometimes I leave the vet feeling like the worst pet parent because I didn't agree to having X, Y, or Z done. How do you recommend having conversations with the vet when you feel like they're going overboard? I got to say, I love this question because it has happened to me. I've been in the office. They've said, well, we could do this and or we could do this. And in part, I know it's just because pets, unlike people, can't talk to you. And so they can't describe exactly what they're feeling. But there sometimes is this sense that it's just too much. Yeah, it, this is a very interesting topic. Gene, on, on the situation that you had happened to you, what was it something going on with Norman? It wasn't just routine. There was, he wasn't, uh, was it an accident or illness? We could do a whole hour on Norman and his digestion, but he's in a good place right now. And so I don't, I don't want to jinx it, but let me just say he's on a prescription diet and he takes a probiotic that is more expensive than mine. So let me go back to something that you said. Yeah. The pets can't talk to you, right? And we as pet parents, we know, hey, something's going on here. I'm not sure. And so you end up taking Norman in to the vet. And the vet starts asking you questions because he can't talk to Norman. Like, Norman doesn't know, right? Right. (laughs) And so the vet asks you a whole bunch of questions. You say, well, when did you first notice that he wasn't eating and he was listless? And And so what's going to happen the vet's going to put down something inside Norman's pet records as to the treatment, and it's called ADR. And that is the condition, if you will, that is most often put in a pet record. And it, ADR stands for ain't doing right, <laughs> meaning <laughs> that I don't know what it is. And what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to do a series of rule outs to figure out what that is. So. Here's one of the reasons I, I think that you you may want to protect yourself about feeling like, my gosh, the pet is, the, the vet is really starting to suggest a whole bunch of tests that aren't necessary. Well, oftentimes they are necessary because you're trying to rule out all the things there to finally come to a, a condition and then a treatment. That's one of the reasons, again, why if you've got pet health insurance, you're going to have not only the coverage of the treatment, but all of the diagnostics that are there. Because, you know, you'll say, the vet said, well, we're not really sure, but we're going to have to do some tests, and it's going to be like $1,500, $2,000, and we haven't even begun to treat Norman. And you're going, oh my gosh, what's going on? So, again... Another real advantage of having pet health insurance while that dog is in the starting gate of life is ultimately just 
giving yourself the availability of having all of the, not only the treatment, but the diagnostics that go along with making sure your pet is happy and healthy. Yeah. Those people who have listened to this show for a long time know that I had a dog before Norman. His name was Teddy. He lived till 16. Another cockapoo. We didn't buy insurance for him at the beginning. I didn't buy insurance. I didn't even think about insurance, to be quite honest with you. I don't know why, but it wasn't on my radar. And at about 15, maybe 14 and a half, Teddy dislocated a hip. And he just took a bad step. He jumped off the couch wrong. And they were able to put it back in. And he was able to be with us for another year and a half, but went through a lot of therapy, a lot of acupuncture, a lot of, you know, different remedies and procedures in addition to the initial hospitalization. And it would have paid for itself many times over. So when we got this puppy, I was ready to go at the outset. Rob, thank you so much for what you do. And thank you for having this conversation with me today. It's been really informative. My pleasure. Give Norman a big hug for me. Absolutely. And just a reminder before I leave you, Her Money is supported by BCU. BCU is a credit union that understands that financial freedom doesn't happen at one single point, but rather many stages of your life. That's why BCU likes to say they are here today for your tomorrow with support available at every stage of your financial journey. You can learn more about eligibility at bcu.org. And thanks to all of you for joining me today on Her Money. And as a proud Healthy Paws Pet Insurance member, Norman and I want to give a special thank you to Rob Jackson for sharing his insight on all things pet preparedness and budgeting. Remember, you can use any licensed vet with no maximum annual or lifetime payout, and most claims are processed in just a couple of days. Visit HealthyPawsPetInsurance.com slash hermoney to get your instant quote today. If you like what you hear, we hope you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Edelman Financial Engines and BCU. We produce this podcast out of CDM Sound Studios. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through Megaphone. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk soon.